Welcome to Mindfully Integrative Podcast with your host, Dr. Damaris G. Mindfully Integrative is a podcast discussing ways toward mindfully incorporating integrative health into our lives. This podcast will have informative resources, fun topics, interviews, and discussions relatable for today with a true mindful perspective in a mind-body holistic life approach. Hello. This is Dr. Damaris Maria Grossman, and thank you again for joining in on the Mindfully Integrative podcast. And I just wanted to let you know of our upcoming events and things. So if you want to know and reach out, our resources and our membership is opening soon. So check out mindfullyintegrative.com for more fun and more info. Thanks so much and talk with you soon. Hi, how are you? This is Dr. Damaris G, Integrative Family Nurse Practitioner, and welcome to the Mindfully Integrative Podcast. So today I'm actually just doing a discussion about my birth story and being a new mom this past year. And the reason I'm talking about my birth story is that it was not what I had planned. And I am one where I plan things, I'm a planner, I get things all allocated. And I also were one where I wanted to have a birth plan for my midwife and my OB. And I also was one where I knew if I had a concept of what my needs were, I would have everything perfect, right? Not necessarily perfect, but it would go in the plan that I had expected. And unfortunately, it did not. Um, I will have in the show notes, you know, um, my planning that I did do, that I had a maternity list, I had a hospital bag, I had special doctors that I planned to have, like a high-risk doctor, I went to a quality facility and hospital that could take care of me and my little one as needed, Um, but I really thought that I was going to have mostly a natural birth. I was going to have a vaginal birth. I was even bringing yoga ball and and massage and my music. And I had the intention of holding my little one as soon as possible before holding the cord. And I would have to say, let's go back to my pregnancy. So I am a multiracial woman. I am um, Spanish, black and of different other ethnicities. And I am one where as a minority woman, we are, unfortunately, our genetics will predispose us to probabilities of increased health issues in pregnancy. I really thought as an individual that was so-called healthy, did not have to worry about what my health was because I would walk every day. I would exercise. I ate pretty well from, from my understanding, but I was predisposed genetically. And also, um, stress had been a factor in my pregnancy. So for me, I had been, was overcautious during the pregnancy and I would take my blood pressure once a day Usually I'm very low. I'm like 110 over 70s, like in a really nice quality range. As I went through the pregnancy, one, I was gaining weight a little bit more than I had wanted. I really did not 
eat anything excessive. I'm not really a big craver. I may have had a couple cravings in the mid um, second trimester. My husband liked cereal and I'm really not into cereal. So I had some sugary cereals and then I stopped that. Um, But my overall um, food intake was not very large, but I had been gaining weight. My blood pressures were increasing little by little, not like severely initially. It was like 110 and the next week it would be like 112 and it'd go up two ticks and then it started to go into the 120 range, still no big thing. And you'd be like, okay, that's not a problem. The doctor was like, you don't have to take your blood pressure right now. Everything with the baby's going well. But I guess as a healthcare provider, I thought, I thought, you know what, let me just do that for myself. And for some reason, thankfully I did because it saved my life and it saved my baby's life. So through the time, um, as you know, that was when it was COVID and um, the pandemic hit in my third trimester. So I was going transitioning out of the clinic and going into telehealth position so that I um, put, put myself in less risk of contracting the COVID virus. During this time, my OB was stating to me that if you do contract the virus pregnant in your third trimester, I'd like you to sign an advanced directive because we'll probably have to put you on a ventilator and your baby or you may not survive. So please notify your next of kin, which was my husband and family that we have to prepare just for every outcome. So I was surprised because my plan and my thoughts and things that I wanted were not going to probably happen, but I wasn't sure initially. I thought at least I was going to this high-risk doctor. I had a midwife and I should be able to have that vaginal birth, get all those antibiotics for my baby, and I will be able to, I'm a good, healthy individual and will get through this. So the reason I even go into the story more is I know that there's a woman, a minority woman in this, on this podcast or on this um, listening that may not realize why you are in this category of a risk. And what happens is, is that the OB, not any offense to him, but um, he didn't check my blood pressures regularly or on point. I did. And I was kind of letting him know that they were starting to creep up and things were changing. I said, I don't feel like myself. And he says to me, oh, well, maybe you need to lose a little bit of weight. Well, throughout the pregnancy, um, toward the end, I got up to about 210 pounds and I'm a tiny, not tiny, I'm like middle size person. I'm usually around 140 range to 150. Sometimes it fluctuates up and down 10 pounds. But for the most part, I gained like 60 pounds in this pregnancy. And that's like a ridiculous amount of weight for me. One tired all the time. I started to have um, the precursors of what ended up being a preeclampsia episode, but it ended up being very severe and help syndrome. I, as a healthcare professional, thought, well, I'm taking my blood pressure, I'm walking, I'm eating okay, I have a good doctor, I should be able to have everything that is needed. And the reason I want people to understand birth stories are not always the way you think they can be, but there is possibilities of having the love and the best outcome as much as you can. So I planned 
the the list of everything that I needed. I planned how I wanted to get delivered, which is vaginally minimal um, medications, epidural as needed. I was willing to go to the right doctors, go to the right NICU if needed. Um, I almost was going to have a water birth, uh, but I was older. You know, I'm um, 39 when I have the baby. I'm 40 now and realized that, you know, it may not be my cards to have a water birth. So I said, all right, I'm, I'll, I'll have it, you know, at the hospital, but, you know, still thinking I could get through. Unfortunately, um, my little guy was born early. And um, before that, a few weeks prior, what happened to me was I was in this preeclampsia state. Um, and preeclampsia means blood pressure increases over time. And sometimes it could be early and sometimes it could be during the pregnancy or after the pregnancy. The thing is, is I never had blood pressure issues, major health issues, but it's a complication of high blood pressure and it can damage and put your body into organ failure, kidney failure, and then detriment to you and your child. This usually happens after 20 weeks. I didn't realize how severe it was, but I was very grateful I had been checking my blood pressures regularly. And I just did that just because I'm a little like particular and I'm a healthcare provider. And I thought, oh, well, if I document this stuff, it'll give me an idea. And I actually made a journal. I had an app on my phone and I, I had a, um, that use that to, you know, put it in my phone. So every time I'd go to the doctor, um, he would know that I, um, he'd know my numbers and it's, oh, we're doing okay. It's in the one twenties. Then it started to get into the one thirty range. And I was somebody that, you know, I didn't have that. Like I had sedated before and I was starting to gain a little bit more weight and I was starting to get a little puffier in the face. My hands were getting really like heavy and tight. My, my legs were getting swollen. And I was like, what in the world is going on? I'm letting them know, you know, where I'm doing checkups, actually, maybe every two weeks, this was probably in the um, 27th week or so that it started to kind of change for me, uh, more tired. And I guess this must have been, and I kind of had an idea. I was like, well, do you think this is a, I was telling them, do you think I am having blood pressure issues? So initially they were like, no, we'll check your urine, you know, but honestly it ended up being the preeclampsia, the word of the blood pressure. And I did go into a toxemia within the body. Um, I am saying and wanting you to be aware because I was, familiar with the medical terms. I was familiar with what my symptoms could be. I was familiar of how um, I it could be dangerous. But the scariest part for me, and I know it could be for someone else, is I went each week to the doctor and I was at home. I think I eventually did go on bed rest um, or bed rest or like, like minimal activity um, around the 28th, 29th week. And I noticed like for me, even at minimal rest, I would take my blood pressure and I was like in the one fifties over 
such and such. And I would tell the doctor and they would be like, okay, let's just keep like, keep an eye on it. Let's keep resting, keep doing your water and, and, you know, just try to exercise, you know, walk, uh, but not do too much strenuous things. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, and the crazy thing is you don't even feel that bad. You feel a little bit, but you're not, um, you don't even realize how much it could be affecting you. So um, the reason I talk about this is because this past week is World Preeclampsia Day. It was um, May 22nd. And I would have uh, posted this episode sooner. And I do apologize to the listeners and I hadn't. But I want you to know that um, when you know the signs and you give yourself the tools, you give yourself the opportunity, it could save your life and then it could help you throughout. So what happens is, this is the other thing that I find very interesting, um, is that at 20 weeks, most of the time people don't get as many doctor's appointments until about the 27th, 28th week. And I noticed for myself, my my blood pressure started to creep up around the 25th, 26th week, and then each week started to change. And it's becomes very misdiagnosed because individuals may think it's something else. And there is a reason why an individual is having a, a preeclampsic episode and the body is kind of not rejecting, but having trouble. And we, as... um as, as a healthcare provider, I can know some of those signs and, and I'm talking about them with you. But as an average day person, you don't know. I mean, or you may not know. And, and I completely sympathize and empathize with you because it's not right to not know, or it's very easy to look over it. So what happened for me was I had an excellent doctor, right? But there were times when the medical assistant didn't take my blood pressure properly. And the reason I knew that is because I would take my blood pressure every morning. And then I'd go to the doctor visit maybe middle of the day or earlier, like a few hours later. And she'd be like, I'm 120 over 80 or 110. And I was like, no, I'm not that um, I'm not that perfect today. And she would be like, what? How do you know? And I'm like, trust me, mine was 130 over 70-something earlier. I don't think that's correct. So there would be times where, unfortunately, I wasn't trying to be rude to the woman, but I would say, I don't think that's in the right context. I think you might have to take it again. You know, and I try to be, you know, nice about it and realize that, um, she hadn't done it correctly for that time. And that happens, you know, it, it, you know, I'm no fault to her. She's busy or, you know, things are going on and, you know, she may not have realized, but you have to be your biggest advocate. So for the reason I bring it up in minority women is that if you're not your biggest advocate, you, um, or at least have somebody in your family to help or assist you. I always think that you should have a at home uh, blood pressure uh, monitor. And then also, if you're in that gestational diabetes um, category, or you have an overweight individual previous to your um, pregnancy, or you've had a previous history of PCOS, which is polycystic ovary syndrome, then I would definitely put yourself um more uh, susceptible to having some complications. There's additional things that may come up for high-risk individuals like lupus or asthmatic or kidney issues or um, other things that if you fit in the categories. I'm just talking at this time about preeclampsia. 
So uh, additional parts of this for me were like the swelling, the water retention, very tired, fatigued, eventually um, toward the end of the pregnancy, I was having blurred vision, headache, nausea, um, and it and it became life-threatening for me and for my baby. The hardest part about all of it was that I was a healthcare professional, right? And I thought I could be fine, right? I'm I'm in that category of it's all right. But I'm, you know, I'm over I'm older. I'm a minority woman. I had a I was not really overweight, but I guess in that range of possibly could be overweight. Uh, no kidney issues, no diabetic, no real major health. I did have stress though, and I did have depression previous um, when I was in the service, and you know I kind of managed that. Um, so for me, I think my stress level started to increase as I was talking about previous was COVID. So during this month, this third trimester month, I went through the stress of the new COVID situation. I then was a COVID screener for patients. And then I was, my father passed away also from COVID. So I went through a very heightened amount of stress in a short period of time. And I don't think that necessarily means everyone has to be in high stress to have preeclampsia, but I do believe that that was an additional factor. So, so also consider your stress level as a possibility for, um, this episodes and this condition that could happen to you and your baby. And the reason I, I know it may seem, um, trivial to think that you're uh, going through just maybe a small blood pressure issue, but it really can be a factor in how you're feeling and what is going on. So the week that I was or the day that I was actually going to get, um, have to go to the hospital, I was tired and I had the weight gain and I had the, um, blood pressures that were increasing. But I said to my doctor, you know, it's only 35 weeks. I really want to get another week of the little guy in my belly. You think I could do it? And they were like, nope. My high risk doctor was like, oh no, not at all. Um, I mean, he really ended up saving my life and so did, um, his colleague, uh, their whole team. I'm, I went to this, um, the, um, the integrative OB in, uh, mindfully midwifery, Kristen Mellon and, um, my doctor, Dr. Abdelikok and his, and his team were just Dr. Gray. Um, you know, they saved my life long, long story short, but really what it is, is that, my, um, I felt fairly okay. You know, I said, Oh, I'm, I'm, I should be all right. You know, but, um, the issues were my headaches were coming. I had a little bit of a headache. I got super tired. And if I hadn't gone to the doctor, to the hospital that night, um, the OB had stated we would not have made it. We would have woken up with, probably have had a stroke and I probably would not have, um, survived. And I cannot get over that. That was a possibility for someone like me that I didn't think that this is something that I should be worrying about, but I do feel that I wanted to 
bring more awareness to something as important as preeclampsia and as important as your maternal health and going to the doctor, um, to your OB when you are pregnant to get the full care that you need. Um, in addition to having the preeclampsia, usually preeclampsia, once you remove the child from the mother's belly, your preeclampsia or this blood pressure and fluid will go away. My issue was I also had the severe preeclampsia with this going into this, they call it help syndrome. I think I was on the precursor of that where your body starts to have bleeding and, um, organ issues. I, you know, um, gratefully was able to come through this, but you know, I want mothers that are pregnant go through the right maternal health needs and, um, and also postpartum needs. So I went to the to the hospital, um, to get induced. And I still, even then I still thought I was going to have a vaginal birth. I had such severe, um, blood pressures. They, you know, put me on medications. They call it's actually, um, magnesium, which I love magnesium overall. I think it's an excellent resource for, um, relaxation and blood pressures, but I was on a very high dose to help with this blood pressure issue. So they put you on a drip in an IV. Um, but I had thought once I have this baby, my blood pressures will go away and we're going to be okay. Like no problem. I'll still listen to some music. You know, I brought my little massager. I was still trying to keep very in tune with myself and really um, aware of what was going on. Um, thankfully, I packed my bag. I packed all my things. I just had my husband go get stuff. Um the negative side on this was um, we were in the middle of a pandemic. We were in the middle of COVID. So they went to test me for COVID. They thought I had it. And in addition to that, they only allowed one visitor in at a time. So it was just me and my husband were allowed to be in the same room. I thankfully ended up not getting COVID, but there was like all of this like isolation had to be by myself, make sure every um, everyone is away from me. Um, and that was scary. The being my husband and I just having to be in the room by ourselves with, with no one else, that was, you know, scary and, and tiring. Um, then I thought I was going to have a vaginal birth and not going that way was because my blood pressures ended up getting in the 200 over 100 range. The um, induction failed because my cervix would not dilate. My swelling had gotten so severe that my heart was being compromised. And I just was kind of oblivious. So for someone that was the provider as a patient, I tried to be as supportive to everyone else and I couldn't even be supportive for myself because I was like, oh, as long as the baby's okay. And, you know, um, so it's just kind of like realizing the like minority racial disparities that can even happen for someone, um, even of my, um, knowledge based and, and things. And it's like, I want people to know that, um, to not, you know, take 
your blood pressure and a symptom of this lightly, you know, and, and really be your ad- best advocate as possible. Um, so I was able to go for an emergency C-section late in the, I think early morning, I think he was delivered around three in the morning. My little guy um, had to be on a, intubated on a respirator. So it was a little stressful, but he ended up doing wonderful. And we, and I ended up doing wonderful in the long run. It was a long recovery. He only was dealing with about a week and a half in the NICU. And I was about a week and a half in the hospital. We left at the same time. Um, during that time I, um, was on blood pressure medications. And in addition to the preeclampsia, I also had post preeclampsia, meaning that after the little boy was um, delivered, I then had to deal with um, high blood pressures post-pregnancy. And that's hard because I had thought this was going to go away. And this is another part where postpartum care is just as much as important. Now, I have a knowledge base as a healthcare provider of my medications. I have a knowledge base of my blood pressure, of what symptoms to look for. But on average, the most people don't. And also on average, people don't have the support they need and the postpartum care that they need. No offense to my OB, but there really is no care from after the baby is born for the next three months of time. I believe that there is such a lack in the healthcare um, community and especially for minority women, black, Spanish, and the lower income um population, there is such a lack and um, disconnect from the care of when a baby is born. And then those, I'm saying those first three months, that fourth trimester, especially, that's where there's a lot of postpartum depression. There's a lot of postpartum issues. And um, there just really is not enough information for moms. And I don't feel like it's the pediatrician's responsibility to do all of that. And I think that's where there's this um, disconnect. And I almost feel like there needs to be, I don't know if it's an OB, you know, connection with the maternal. I know that they're getting better with it because there's more technology out there and there's this like mommy app and stuff. But if anything, I definitely will be an advocate for those women um, trying to figure out that fourth trimester and advocating or trying to really um, gain some support because I don't think there is enough there. Um, even though people say that there is or there isn't, I think addition to the postpartum depression that people go through, like I had to be on a lot of medication. Um, then I also had some... Um, cesarean section healing. I had to go for an additional um, abdominal surgery because I had severe scarring and endometriosis that I was dealing with additional to that. Um, So for me, it was a very traumatic time. And I did have good support for my husband and family, but I was scared. And if I'm scared, I can only imagine those that are listening and those other moms out there, what they need. I will put in some resources of different individuals that are like the mommy app and a couple other um, um, available resources for moms and those that may be pregnant now. But, you know, I, I felt that I needed to discuss this being that, uh, it, it was World Preeclampsia Day the other day. I wanted to discuss that I'm grateful for a healthy baby boy. I am grateful for my life that I almost lost and didn't realize or a stroke I might have had. 
Um, I had already had severe um, traumatic, like a, a traumatic brain injury when I was in the service from an injury and injured my neck and back. And I'd already been in that road of recovery. And I can't imagine having to do that again. Or would I even still be able to be a provider or help my baby? So when I think about it now, I just am so grateful that we've come this far, you know, that not all of it is perfect, but I do the best I can. And I want to, those that are um, on, you know, to know that you have the opportunity and um, to just uh, let yourself know that it's okay to, 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 you know, be upset sometimes. It's okay to, you know, be the best mom that you want to try to be, but it, you know, you do what you can ask for help um, and know the signs of different things that are going on with you so that you have the additional support and the needs and asking for help is okay and not feeling a hundred percent or always feeling like you are the, um, you, you can't, you don't have all the answers is okay. Um, you know, especially with like breastfeeding and what to feed your baby and your hormone changes, um, and things like that. So those are factors. Um, and then additional things, you know, you would ask your, a pediatrician to help with, um, with your child too. So I'm, you know, that advocate and just kind of wanted to say that I'm very grateful for the life that, um, God has given me and the life that, I have for my healthy boy. Um, so it's, it's a miracle. And now I even more so feel that each day is a miracle. So those listening, thank you. And I hope that you find a mindful way each and every day and that you find some peace, even in the darkness. You have a wonderful day and night, whatever it is for you. Namaste and good night. Thanks for listening to Mindfully Integrative with Dr. Damaris G. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you enjoyed our show, support us by leaving a mindful review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite streaming site. If you would like to be a guest of our show or interview, email us at info at damarismaria.com. If you want to learn more about the resources mentioned in the podcast, you can find those in the show notes. To connect mindfully with Dr. Damaris G, reach her at www.damarismaria.com or connect via social media links. We appreciate your time connecting here with us. May your strength and peace within bring you more balance every day. Namaste.